The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night, they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the beach, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, Children, have you any fish? They answered him, No. He said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in for the quantity of fish. That disciple, whom Jesus loved, said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his clothes, for he was stripped for work, and sprang into the sea. But the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire there, with fish lying on it and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore, full of large fish, a hundred and fifty-three of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. The second time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you girded yourself and walked where you would. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish to go. This he said to show by what death he was to glorify God. And after this he said to him, Follow me. The Gospel of the Lord.
one of my favorite scenes in all of the Gospels. I think I've mentioned before uh, when I visited the Holy Land to sit at this spot on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, um, especially early in the morning, is a very profound experience to sit there and kind of play out or allow the gospel to kind of be played out in your imagination around you. Um, and you have all of the, the right scenery for, for where it all took place. And it's a very, very beautiful experience. But it's also such a profound mystery of all of the different details of what happened in this scene. And we could not, again, go into them all now. But I'd like to look at two specifically. One is uh, the centrality that Peter has taken in all of the resurrection accounts and what that means for us. And then also look at all of its kind of Eucharistic connotations, what the Lord is doing here with regards to the Eucharistic sacrifice. And so what we see in, the, in any kind of honest look of the uh, resurrection accounts is that Peter steps to the forefront, right? So the one who had denied Christ is now eagerly searching for him and eagerly longing for the Lord. And all of his doubt and all of his sorrow is uh, driving him towards Christ. And so he becomes this very beautiful central figure. So even when Mary Magdalene sees the Lord, she goes back. Or when they see the empty tomb, they go back to Simon Peter and to John, right? And so also when the Lord, when the Emmaus disciples return from seeing the Lord, they go back to Simon Peter and the other apostles. And then when they arrive there, they are greeted with those words, the Lord is risen and he has appeared to Simon. And then also what we have um, in all of the scenes is kind of just as Peter now and his relationship with Christ is being restored, being reanimated specifically in this love, this love that he lost himself when he, when he uh, denied Christ, but which Christ has never lost, right? God is love. And so the love of God has been the constant. And it is that love of Christ that is now going to draw Peter back to himself and set him as this firm foundation of the church that he has established, this church that has been born from his side on the cross. And so what you have in this kind of final dialogue between Christ and Simon Peter, you have many commentaries on it and looking at the different uh, words for love that have been used when the Lord asks him if he loves him, it is that agape love, that self-sacrificing love. And Peter, in his humility, responds and said, Lord, you know that I love you with a, a filial love. It's not yet agape love. It's not yet perfect. And this is a change in the disposition from the one who was so confident about himself, right? The one who said, I will go to death with you. And now he's acknowledging in humility that he doesn't love the Lord as the Lord loves him. So he's beginning to see and to understand his weakness. But this is what is necessary for all of us. If we could all love God with God's love, there would have been no necessity for Christ to come and suffer and die for us. But we cannot do that. We need Christ and His grace and the Holy Spirit so that we can truly love God with His love. Love God with a love that is self-sacrificing, that will offer ourselves for Him. And so Simon Peter in this conversation with the Lord acknowledges his weakness and the weakness of his love. His love is filial. It is not yet agape. But the Lord ends the conversation with a very beautiful promise, a promise of the way in which he will glorify God by his death, showing that he will be brought to this agape love, to this love that is self-sacrificing, and that he will, in the end, offer himself for love. And I think this must have been a consolation for St. Peter, even though he might have still disbelieved it, knowing his own weakness. 
but knowing that the Lord's words are always fulfilled, I think that is his consolation, that he will be made perfect by the grace and by the Holy Spirit of God, that he will be sanctified, and that in the future he will be able to do by God's grace what he had previously thought he would be able to do by his own strength. And so he has, and I think, this consolation that then fills him with this confidence that we see in the first reading today. We see St. Peter and the apostles in the temple preaching Christ boldly, preaching Christ with love, unafraid of being arrested, of being tortured, of suffering, suffering any persecution for the sake of the name. In fact, their whole disposition has changed. Their disposition now rejoices that they suffered for the sake of the name. This is the beautiful change that we see in the apostles post-resurrection, post that encounter with Christ, post also especially Pentecost, when they receive that fire of love, the Holy Spirit himself, who descends not only upon them, but within them, and then animates them with the love of God. The other beautiful thing that we see in the gospel today is the reality of the mystery of the Eucharist, but also, again, of the power of God's words. Jesus revealed himself to the disciples. It says this is the third time that he did so. They have gone fishing, and they have been fruitless in this exercise. As Bishop Fulton Sheen says, they seem not to be very good at their own occupation, right? They never catch anything in the Gospels without Christ's intervention. And so what happens is they are fruitless that night, that night, in that darkness, in that longing for the light to return, the spiritual light, namely Christ himself. And the Lord appears to them. They are united together. And the Lord stands on the beach at dawn, as day was breaking, it said. I think very poignantly as well, as the light is returning to them, so also the day is breaking in their interior. And while they see him at first, they do not yet recognize him. That is one of the realities of our encounter with Christ in our own time now. We see him in the Eucharist, but might not immediately recognize him. The recognition of Christ in the Eucharist is a recognition by faith. It's not by sight. So we can have a similar encounter as the disciples had on this morning, to see the Lord but not recognize him. But then slowly as our faith increases, we begin to recognize the Lord where he is present in the Blessed Sacrament. And then the Lord speaks to them because it is by his word that faith is perfected. Faith comes through hearing. And he says to them, children, do you have any fish? I'm sure I've mentioned before, the word in the Greek is not fish. What he's asking them is, do you have any food? Do you have anything to eat? And the word in the Greek is specifically, do you have any flesh, any meat that is eaten in union with bread? A very Eucharistic image. And they say no. And then he says, okay, cast your nets in and you will find some. So they cast their nets in and they catch fish. But it's only when they get to the shore that they find what the Lord was speaking about. Because on the charcoal fire is what? A fish that is ready to eat with bread. And it is laying on this charcoal fire on the shore. Again, a very beautiful Eucharistic image. This image of this fish and this bread that even for the early church were the symbols of Christ in all of their artwork, in all of the, everything that the early church uh, did to portray Christ. It was always the fish and the bread. 
And so what you see is this fish and this bread on this charcoal fire representing Christ's sufferings but also his love. He has come to cast fire upon the earth. This is the only scene in the gospel where we see that actually physically happen. But we know that the fire that he has come to cast upon the earth is the fire of the Holy Spirit, his love. And it is from this love and from this suffering that he feeds his disciples with this bread and this fish. It is exactly the same for us here at the Mass. From his passion made present to us through the mystery of the Mass, from that same fire of his love, he offers us to eat, which is himself, his own body, his own blood. And his disciples are nourished by him. Lastly, the Lord says to them, come and have breakfast. The word in the Greek, as I'm sure I've mentioned before, is come and have the principal meal. It is the principal meal for the day. That's what that word means. It means the meal that will sustain you in the work of the day. And so that invitation of the Lord where he says to them, come and have the principal meal, is the invitation that we receive from the Lord to the Mass. Come and have the principal meal. Come and eat the daily bread. Come and eat my flesh and drink my blood and be sustained, not only for each of our passing temporal days, but for the eternal day of eternity with him in life with the Father. Amen.